from Bozier City, Louisiana. This is the Grouch and the Brainstorm. All right, today on the show, we got Matt. What's up? And we got Mike. And today is another bonus episode. Is I have come to love bonus episodes because we get to do some one-on-one talking to some uh, right. the real deal people who have done the deal, people who have been in the rooms, people who have struggled with alcoholism and, and their own personal demons. And they, they somehow, some way, call it whatever you want, higher power, whatever, they managed to make it to the studio and we get to sit down and interview them. And the gentleman we're about to interview is uh, really good friends with my fellow host here on the Grouch and the Brainstorm. And he just celebrated a birthday couple right. i think yeah. on 5 1 23 he celebrated a yeah, year that's correct and his name is ben and we're going to leave it at just ben because we don't do last names on the grouch and the brainstorm that's right and we don't do last names on the grouch and the brainstorm because of the fear of the fan base growing so strong we well, can't go in public some of us have warrants too so and there's there's, that. <laughs> and there's the warrants especially warrants and baby's mamas and yeah, luckily they exactly. don't have spotify in the state of mississippi so <laughs> all right so uh me and ben got a, me and me and matt have a couple questions for ben today but uh, we're going to start off as always whenever we have a new guest on the show with an introduction so uh tell us a little bit about yourself ben well first off my name's ben i'm an alcoholic uh according to the police report my <laughs> sobriety birthday is may 5th or no excuse me may 1st 2023 uh, uh, and yeah, uh, it's been a long 30 years and I just realized this year that it was 30 years because like that Chris Stapleton song is like, was it 25 or 26? I lost right. a couple years there in the party. Um, <clears throat> but nah, man, it's just been a long road and me fucking up a lot yeah. to be honest. Yeah. I lost a couple of decades, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I lost a couple months. Somebody one time asked me, they were like, one of my relatives was like, you remember that dog y'all had? And I was like, what dog? And they're like, the dog y'all had. And I'm like, I don't remember having a dog. And they're like, yeah, y'all had it for like five years. I'm like, never knew that dog. Yeah. yeah you, Where was I? Your daughter used to take care of it. Yeah, they're like, you kids. I have a daughter? We have pictures of the, of the dog. I'm like, I don't know this dog, you know? what? I don't know. I don't know what I was doing. Where are you from, Ben? Oh, I grew up Stonewall, uh, about 15, 20 minutes south of Shreveport, depending on how you drive. Okay. Uh, so, um, start it out, man. Tell us school. Where'd you go to school? Where I went to school, man. I grew up out in Stonewall. So, most of us out there went to North DeSoto. And that was North DeSoto from all the way up from like kindergarten all the way to. So, it's one of them all in one, mm-hmm. all in one location schools. Yeah, except for the two years I spent at uh, the. Uh, what's it called? The alternative school. When I got expelled, they have those over there. Oh, not in not in Stonewall, but you got to drive all the way into Mansfield to get to it. The um, and that's that's actually a cool story, and that's part of the part of the journey of me being an alcoholic. The first time I got expelled, uh, well, no, the first time I got expelled is because I pulled a knife on somebody because they took my money because I was a dumbass kid carrying around like two hundred bucks, and I don't know why. 
I don't know how I had 200 bucks, but I was carrying it around at school and somebody walked off with it. But then uh, the second time I got expelled because I was had a beer in my backpack and somebody synced it and snitched on me. I was just going to have it with my lunch. but. <laughs> A cocktail in the lunchroom there. Yeah. How old was Why not? You? How old was you? How old was I? Uh, Talking to the mic, man. <laughs> I don't know, man. I was probably 15, 16. So early on. I mean, that was a couple of years after I started drinking. Though I started drinking like when I was 11, 12, doing shots of tequila, watching cartoons. Okay. That's. I mean, don't tempt me with a good time. Well, I'm nothing, you know? nothing makes Speedy Gonzalez more real. <laughs> More exactly. speedy <laughs> shots, Cuervo. Yeah, and I uh, should have known something up was was up then because it went down way too smooth for being warm tequila yeah. in the kitchen with no salt or lime. Was Fine. it your? Was whose was it? It was my dad's. I climbed up into the cabinet, got it. Yeah, that's uh that's a good indicator early on. You know, so you didn't come from an alcoholic home. Yeah, I did. I mean, and y'all had a bottle of tequila left. Well, uh, we have. I mean, it was uh really it probably wasn't my dad's. It was my mom's. The Coors and stuff, the easy stuff was in the fridge. I didn't have a taste of that stuff. I knew I didn't like it, but I knew uh my mom would like uh it was, I don't know why she liked it because it's terrible to me, but uh she would chase her tequila shots with uh diet coke. Ooh. Yeah, that's fucking terrible, man. The diet coke, yeah, was bad. Well, <laughs> but um. No, there was a lot of issues in, in the family growing up that I really didn't see until I got in the program and started looking at other people other than me. Uh, <clears throat> no, nah, my dad drank, but he never put on like he was a drunk, like like what I thought a drunk was when you were growing up, like somebody who was uh, always falling down, wasn't worth worth a damn at anything he he was he was great at his job he was great at being a dad when he needed to be a dad i mean he had, he had his ups and downs but it was never just like belligerent with him or whatever and then my mom she suffered from a lot of stuff um she she bipolar dep- a lot of chronic depression and whatnot high anxiety stuff and Usually any time now that I can look back on it, any time that she had a real bad episode, it involved alcohol a lot of the time, and it's just because it made it easier for her to go off the rails. I mean, it lubricated it real easy. With the medication and all that stuff. I don't even know if she was on medication back then, but she was was trying to deal with it. In in her own way. In her own way, yeah. Yeah, Your dad seemed like a young man. He's fairly young now. He's fairly young, yeah. Uh, he he he's doing his best to take care of himself now that he's uh he he's found out he's diabetic, uh, and he gets checked up on regular and whatnot. He does what he's supposed to. He's like when y'all saw him at my birthday, he had dropped a lot of weight shortly before that because he had to go on uh a low iodine diet, so that cut out like anything with salt in it and yeah. all that. So. Isn't it funny how we come from different, like I grew up in a family, immediate family, mom and dad, they didn't drink a drop. They were pastors in the church and all that stuff. And then some people grow up around it and we all still find our way in here. You know, it's, it's, uh, um, and you know, it took me a little while of getting in here when I first came in, I was like, well, everybody must be an alcoholic that drinks. And then I realized, no, 
I'm the alcoholic, you know. There's a lot of people that, that would, you'd call them heavy drinkers, but they're not alcoholics, you know. And, uh, and that's that's how I looked at a lot of people when I was growing up, is just like everybody that I saw drink that either wasn't a casual, like one of the people we talk about who can pick something up and mm-hmm. take a few sips of it, and then whether they finish the drink or not or whether they pound it down, it doesn't matter. We had a few of those, but there were a lot of, heavy drinkers sure and and uh where i grew up um but uh yeah i mean and i i just thought that was normal Mm -hmm. and i thought like when i started drinking and i started actually drinking a lot is i thought as long as i could handle this stuff is one of one of the ways my dad used to put it is like if you can run with the dogs all night you got to be able to get up and go to work in the morning and i was always able to get up and go to work in the morning so i wasn't an alcoholic i was functioning i was right doing what i needed to do uh but yeah that's so after a year sober um what do you consider an alcoholic it's a broad category man i mean it's it's it sweeps so wide because it it all depends on a person and how they how 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 alcohol affects them in their life. I mean, it's it's not just, there's no cookie cutter alcoholic. Cause if there was a cookie cutter alcoholic, I imagine we could solve the problem overnight if we wanted to. The, uh, but what I, what I would define as an alcoholic is somebody rather than dealing with whatever issues they have or asking questions or doing anything to find a, a better, more constructive way to go about solving the problems or issues or whatever may come up in their life. They just drink sure. first they, or any with that, with addicts find the first thing they can change in the way they to feel, cha- change the way the way they feel the first easiest way they can to change the way they feel. And a lot of people don't realize that what I've come to realize in the last year is that what we're doing right now, just talking to somebody about about whatever's going on in your life or anything or everything that's going on in your life is probably the easiest way to change the way you feel and deal with stuff and have sure. it last. And learn that feelings change. You oh, learn yeah. that I used to think, oh, my gosh, I'm mad or whatever. I'm going to be mad for 10 years. No, I'm not. It's going to change. I'm going to be good mood, bad mood, whatever it might be. But it always changes. So using that to cover up how I feel, well, that's that's insanity in itself because no matter how I felt, I, I used and drank. So if I felt good, I did it. If I felt bad, I did it. So what what kind of signals is that? that you know, uh, it's, it, I don't know. It's just a mess. But. Like how, how would you have handled the situation earlier when I texted you that, hey, I was in a wreck and then you didn't hear yeah, from me? Well, for... I handled it different back in the day, <laughs> but I got it handled today. It's yeah. all good. So you're 30 years old. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. 30 years old. How oldest of all the children? Um. Well, I have a half-brother who's older than me, but yes, of my mother and father, I'm the oldest child. Okay. Are you the, uh, and, and we're not going to ask names or raise ages or any of that stuff, Um. are you the only one that has a drinking problem? <clears throat> um. My brother, uh, 
He's a couple years younger than me, and I believe he has he has a substance issue. Uh, well, he he uses a substance, but I won't know. I can't say whether it's an issue or not. The uh, because he goes about his life fine. Him and his wife have no ill effects. I mean, they pay all their bills. I mean, they're great individuals. They do everything they're supposed to do, and I don't ever see any issue coming from their use. Now, my little sister, who's like 12 years younger than I am, uh, she's 18 and about to be coming out of high school. So I'm worried about her. As, as natural yeah as 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 it should be but uh but i've told her and she's been to a couple of meetings and i told her if she's ever got any questions about anything i'm not trying to push anything on you but you know i'm here i can answer whatever you got and she's asked me a few times uh she's asked me for some advice about hangovers because she had a friend who was really hung over one time and i was like okay well she said let hydrate. me call the expert yeah hydrate electrolytes and let's get her back up on her feet but uh we need to limit that stuff and she's told me she's cut back i mean this is just word of mouth but she's told me she's cut back on some of her drinking because she doesn't like drinking but she likes to she likes to uh i don't know if she smokes pot or vapes it or eats it or whatever they do nowadays they got so many ways you can ingest marijuana nowadays it's wild i don't know I don't either. I was a straight Ziploc baggy man myself well, back I, in the I, day. I grew up in, I, I've never actually even really been exposed to marijuana, but it, I grew up in a in a time where you had, you know, uh, Cheech and Chong were on television, and, you know, you couldn't tell how they were doing it. It just was just huge cloud of smoke. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, I moved on into the, to my later years around high school, Snoop Dogg came on the picture and, and those guys and, again you couldn't really tell you know so i don't know how it's done but you know and, and there's there's always uh an element from ever people who have found recovery that we tend to watch other people especially the ones that we love we tend to watch them a little closer than we would before we got into recovery and and i think that just comes from the experience of seeing the different ages genders uh races different everything that we see in alcoholics anonymous you know we're such a diverse group you know it's almost like because that's my little sibling whether it's a girl or boy you know because it is and and i found this they may have a problem and you know and you find out over time some of them may some of them just work out through it so anyway you're 30 years old you went to north Dakota high school or north Dakota school you know all the way through years you were born here in this town and live with your your mom and dad you have a a half brother it's a little older than you and you have a sister is that it yeah i just have the uh my brother my little sister who's uh who's uh of my mother and stepfather because my parents got divorced okay um and then i have the half brother who i really i've had very limited contact with uh, but yeah, that's our that's you, our only sibling. And you've been drinking since basically eleven, twelve. Started out watching cartoons, shooting yeah. tequila, and it it wasn't like drinking daily yeah. since eleven, twelve. But it's well, it's a little hard to get it every day when you're eleven or twelve. Yeah, I mean, you don't you have a job. You, know, you don't have the money. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, your, your parents are not going to pay that kind of bank for a kid <laughs> that's got a 
Well, I mean, sometimes the uh, the alcohol got watered down to try to keep the levels right. Because I, I mean, I say tequila. It would start. I remember first with tequila, but uh, it was vodka and tequila were in the cabinet often, so they stayed up there. So it was easier to water down the vodka, vodka. than it was yeah. the, the tequila because the tequila get pretty clear after a while. Book. And and so besides being suspended from school, very few consequences at that early age. Hangovers, um, I get, you know. I really, the hangover stuff never really hit me until after my 20s. Like, till after I turned, yeah, to after 20, yeah, to after I turned 20. Well, so when did you start having consequences? When did I start having consequences? Um, well, the consequences probably hit when I was in the Air Force because... I became more concerned about my social life than I did my my career. And the the job I had wasn't one that I really cared for in the Air Force. Uh I loved being in the service, to be honest. It was it was great. I love the lifestyle. It's probably something I should have went back to do, but it's it's not a line I'm on anymore. But the the job it's just it wasn't conducive to me. It was it was a office job stuck behind a computer, and I'm more of a hands-on mechanic. I like to get out, and I like to turn wrenches and be out in the sunlight and sweat my ass off, even though I hate the heat. But mm-hmm. the, um, I mean, I had a couple runs in high school, but that's nothing more than any other kid. The, uh, <clears throat> but the uh, and. The job suffered, and then in the in the later part of my Air Force career, the uh, the uh, social life started to suffer because I was doing more drinking. I wasn't. I mean, I'd stunted my emotional and mental growth just by. And it was like an attitude change. Yeah. Your attitude shifts to where, yeah, I, I feel that. And after the Air Force, I mean. I went home and I slowed down on my drinking, but I did a lot of hanging out on the weekends with people that had no business I hanging out with, just a bunch of idiots racing cars and getting in fights. Uh, but my drinking kind of slowed down because I was taking care of my mom. But after my mom passed, it got heavy and it, it was constant. It was, uh, it was, I mean, it get on from Friday after work until Monday morning when I had to go back to work and then then it started getting on the weekdays too uh but I mean I'd kill I'd kill a fifth of whiskey or rum a night just out drinking with the guys not what I'd done before getting there or whatever got to a point at one point where uh if somebody called me and I told them I was doing dishes they knew I was in the kitchen around some dishes but mostly there was just rum and coke and i was playing music and drinking and dancing and i'd put some soap on the dish every once in a while it'd take me about three hours to wash dishes well, it sounds like the folks at dawn would love to invite you to make a commercial for them <laughs> oh yeah probably got to wear clothes in this one though yeah 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 my 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 tidy whities or my speedo might like i don't need that image in my head thank you i'm sorry i don't need that image in my head you know well before we get before we get too far outside of childhood and up into 
I have to ask this question. Any uh, upbringing, background, or, or exposure to spirituality, God, religion, any of that? Oh, yeah. I was raised in a church, uh, multiple churches, actually. Uh, Methodist, Baptist, we, we were... We were always in church. weren't super Bible, Bible. Blah, blah, I can't fucking speak. Parents weren't real big Bible thumpers. Yeah, but we were in church. We knew God and all that stuff. We prayed. Uh, my grandpa, grand grandfather, was a, a preacher at a church in Winfield for a while, <clears throat> but. I was never beat over the head with religion. Uh, I was never told a certain path to go. But as I came up through high school and everything, and I started thinking about God, there was a point where I got real serious, and I and I thought and I believed that the Christian God was the only God, and there was that was my path to uh, salvation. But then I started questioning it probably right about the time I started drinking more, I think. There's all this stuff kind of went hand in hand. But I started questioning that, and I became an agnostic for a while. I, I guess you'd call it agnostic. I didn't really <clears throat> believe in any particular God was the right God. I I like the idea that all religion has the uh, the the right idea about what they're trying to do, what they're trying to do. Nobody just has the right answer. Like you can't answer the question to the big bang, but everybody kind of has a general consensus of, or at least the scientific community does, but everybody religious wise has a good idea of what God is or what their God is. And if you take samples from everywhere, you can find similarities all across the board. And I don't like to put, a name on it, even though I do call my God, God, it's not your God. It's my God. Right. And mainly sure. it's just love, trust, and understanding is what I, what I like to do. Sure. So, Did you go to treatment? No, no treatment. Straight off the. Yeah. The, um, the short story of it is I'd had my second accident, which could have turned into a DUI. Um, Got into work. People at work were worried about me. They talked to Matt because me and Matt worked at the same place at the time. And he invited me to go to his birthday, uh, his his fourth birthday, which is shortly after my birthday. And I went and I sat in the meeting and people just talked gibberish the whole whole hour. And But I, the whole time I kept glancing up at the promises because I was scared to look anywhere. But I kept glancing up at the promises and I'd read a few words and I was like, that sounds good. And I'd <laughs> look around the room, try not to make eye contact. And I was like, that sounds good. And I just kept reading through the promises and I was like, okay, that's, that's what I want in my life. So I went home, sat in my recliner and waited for the promises to come for about five months. And they didn't come. <laughs> Nothing happened. <laughs> no, no, I lost the house and the job. <laughs> <laughs> But that, but that, but that was you went to that meeting, and then it was about five more months before you came back. But you had a big book mm-hmm. after the first meeting. You, well, it you, wasn't that first meeting. I think I came back to a couple after that. Okay, but there was 
after the initial installment of AA in my life, there was a few months of me just being a dry drunk at the house. Gotcha. Yeah. Because I remember going back to the meeting and Phil asked me, did you read what I told you to read? Because he told me to read the doctor's opinion. And I was like, yeah, and I liked it. I, I saw myself in it. And then I think it may that may have been the last one I went to for months. So yeah, yeah, I got you. Well, it was a, uh, you know, the the cool thing that I got out of this story, out of your story, man, is the amount of people that are not even AA people. They're just people in your life that that give a crap about you, and everybody, in one way or another, played a little part in. And the only purpose of all of that was Ben needs some help. Let's figure out how Ben, how to get him a little bit of help. And it was very impressive to, I had people come up to me and they go, what can we do? What can we do? And I said, we can offer something and he can take the bull and by the horns and run with it. It's up to him. And you've done that. And, uh, so we we ask on here a lot too you know we've talked about getting a sponsor for the first time and a lot of first time stuff and and this is the reason we're doing all this is for people that you know maybe are are curious about the program or think they might need to come into it and so you you went to that first meeting with me and it's it's awkward i think everybody's first meeting's weird you know you don't know what people are saying but when you came back so you took a little break from it and you came back in where were you at at that time, like mindset wise? Like, I'm really not sure. I was, uh, let me think about it because my brain's drying out for the first time and I'm trying You're fine. hard to remember stuff. But, uh, <clears throat> so you lost yeah. the job. Yeah, I lost the job, lost my house, and I was worried about what was coming next, to be honest. I was, sure. I, I was real concerned about where I was going to go in life and what I was going to do and if it was, if I was just going to wind up poor and desolate for the rest of my life because the job I had was a real good job. It paid really well. Um, and I was living in a nice place. But uh, I was really kind of just looking for guidance and advice on what I needed to do next. And I knew the people that knew how to do things right went to AA. I mean, anybody who's got any time in any good length of time, old timers or whatever, they've all got great advice on how, just how to live. I mean, how to do things the way you're supposed to do them. Keeping things simple more than anything, you know, it's just, um, yeah, it's a new design for living, you know, it's a, it's a new way of living. And, um, you know, but I, I was, so the reason I'm tying this stuff in, I was fishing with my sponsor yesterday and we were talking about some bad stuff that's happened in sobriety that I, and I'm putting bad in quotation marks. And he started listing off all this stuff that's happened. And, uh, he said, you know, that needed to happen. This needed to happen. This needed to happen. And he named off four or five things, and they were pretty big things. And I and I smiled. I was sitting there, and I was like, dude, life's so good today. Like, it's so good today, man. And he goes, I know. But he goes, if that stuff doesn't happen, you're not where you're standing here today saying life's good. And I was like, you're exactly right. And I think, 
um, I know on the backstory of part of the job and the situation there, the same people that were involved in relieving you of that job were also the first people that called me and said, Hey man, check on this dude, you know? And so people really gave, gave a crap, you know, and, uh, they didn't have to do that. And, but to your credit, man, you've jumped in there. And so you came in, what, how long before you, how was your sponsorship process? Like finding a sponsor, what was your, your thoughts on that? I mean, I wanted to get the right sponsor the first time. <laughs> sure. Which now it kind of sounds silly because I don't really know anything about these people. Right. Uh, and I don't know anything about the program other than that there's 12 steps and I need to make them. Uh, and trying to find the right person to guide me through that the first time. I got real lucky and I found Cal and he did it and it, and it's great, but it could have been as easy as I walked up to Mike or Bobby or somebody and just we worked on and then it wasn't a good fit or whatever. And then I had to find right. somebody else, but luckily I found Cal. And the reason I picked Cal is because he reminded me more of like a drill instructor. Like he, yeah. I, I didn't think I was going to get any sugar in my cup. It was going to be straight. No That's nonsense right. the That's whole right. time. And to be honest, it was, it was a lot easier than what I thought it was going to be when I worked with Cal. I didn't like, I ex fully expected like a full metal jacket, him yeah, to yell at me, tell, sit down, shut the fuck up. This is what we're gonna do. Cal acts tough, but he's a big old teddy bear. Oh, I yeah. hope he hears this too. He knows um, he is. But I guess I did. I was doing stuff right. I was doing it right, so there was no sense in him having to treat me like or tell me that hey, shut the fuck up. This is not how. Yeah, it works, man. You gotta, you gotta do it the way we, the way the book book says or whatever is. <clears throat> We it did it. It was nice. I mean, yeah. To be honest, it was nice. Cal's one of my favorite people on planet Earth, and uh, as are most of the men that are in that group uh, that we attend and go to. And um, it's funny too because you listen to like Mike sitting here, and there's others in there, and I don't want to put all their names out there unless they are okay with that. But there's a lot of men in there that routinely as I've gone along, my sponsor's not there every day. And I've learned to visit with these other guys and they kind of know what's me a little and I know them a little. And sometimes it's just a blow off steam deal or it's a, what am I doing? You know, kind of thing. And it doesn't have to be earth shattering or life changing, but just those moments that kind of even the day out and you go, okay, you know, and uh, man, I'm so grateful for that. I'm just so grateful to be around these guys and, uh and there's a few ladies i don't really ask the ladies much uh you know just prefer not to but there's some ladies in there with a lot of good sobriety too and but uh so you get going with cal you know um how was your first year overall you just had a birthday i mean uh emotionally and spiritually and all that stuff it's weird yes it's, it's very it's good, weird good way to put the, it. uh because i spent a couple of my main problems were based around emotions and feelings. Uh, uh, and I spent about 20 years running from that stuff, hiding it, trying not to feel or do anything. 
that would upset that. And the uh, it, it started to show real hard these last few years before I got sober because about twice a year I'd have a mental breakdown. And most of it's happened since my mom died and I got sober. Is I'd, I'd have a mental breakdown around Christmas and Mother's Days because I'd start thinking about her. And how long has your mother been passed away? Let me do the math because I'm a terrible son and I can't remember off the top of my head. Um, if it's 2016, seven years, yeah, seven years, okay. seven years. So I spent about five years of having a mental breakdown. So you were 23 when your mom passed away, somewhere in there, 23, somewhere 24. Like I said, I, it's hard for me to remember dates and whatnot because I get it. I I wasn't ballpark, right, ballpark. Yeah. I get, so, I get it. About seven years, but um, and five of that I spent twice a year having a mental breakdown because, and most of the time it's because I'd get to thinking about her, and then the days leading up to that I'd be thinking about her, so I'd be drinking more, mm-hmm. and m- many of those years like. I didn't sleep the night before. I was out drinking all night. Right. I'd be, I'd be, fucking soaked going to family events. Yeah. And yeah. Have a, have a big boohoo cry fest, and then I'd pass out on a fucking couch, and everybody else would have the family gathering around me. Around the dead guy, yeah. you know. Well, uh, here's here's what I'm here's what I'm getting to with that. Mother's Day just passed. Mm-hmm. How how your first Mother's Day in sobriety? I'm sure it wasn't great, but but how was that compared to in the past? As far as it was nothing, nothing. I mean, um, and I don't want to be callous in saying that, but it was nothing compared to before. Before the, uh, I thought about her. I remembered her, uh, but. It was never just that overwhelming sense of let down. Like I, I've let her down. I was a terrible son. Yeah. Uh, well, that's uh, that's what's that's what's kind of cool about this program, man. People come in with different things, and you know, you you face that for the first time in sobriety. That's a that's a big deal, you know, and. uh yeah, and it'll and it'll get easier and better, you know, and uh um but that's that's a big big deal. So um Mike, what do you think? Anything you got for Ben? Well, I you know, I've been listening to everything that you guys have said for the past few minutes and you know, hearing how he got in and the story. Um I guess my biggest uh, well first off, you've been sober for a year now for 17 days. Um have you i know you raise your hand when i ask for a sponsor if anybody's willing to sponsor right yeah um has anybody came up to you and told you they want you to sponsor them not yet okay um when they do what's gonna happen what's gonna happen is uh i'm immediately gonna have to talk to my sponsor about <laughs> that <laughs> so, but these guys are as newer than way newer than you man yeah, so they're, they're an old man they bro. want to answer bro yeah. they're yeah, like they, this they, cat they, raised his hand he didn't say he, didn't he say, knows hey. everything yeah it's um i don't know maybe i need to talk to my sponsor more about that what do i do after somebody's like hey man will you be my sponsor and i say yes or like 
I need but, one of those braces uh, that says uh, WWB do. What would Bobby do? You know, because I deal with that but, all the time. Uh, no, nah, it's just we're going to go through the same steps that I went through. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to try and put them through all the same paperwork. I may even call Bobby and try and get some of my grand sponsors' paperwork. So, uh, but I'm gonna, I'm, it's, it's gonna, I'm excited. I'm anxiously, I, I'm like, honestly, I'm anxiously waiting because I feel that's where I'm gonna grow more is helping others with this. Uh, I'm excited about it. No matter, I, I may not be shaking in my chair, giddy or whatever when I raise my hand, but I want a sponsor. The somebody. fact that you gave that answer tells me you're gonna do just fine as a sponsor because yeah. your, your ego is not inflated and, some people go about that, the, I think, the wrong way. You hear a little, I don't know, sometimes I hear that, and it's like, man, the best sponsors are just real humble, quiet people, and they just solid as a rock. They do their program, and um, you're going to do good. Yeah, So, and, you know, the only suggestion I would have to make is, uh, you know, you've obviously stayed and until the miracle happened. You know, you're not drinking, and you don't go to drinking, and, but um, the only suggestion I would have to take and give someone would be get that first sponsor, sponsee, I'm sorry, get that first sponsee and just see what happens. That's when the whole thing clicks together, when you get that first sponsee. And and um, you, you get the full effect of the program of Alcoholics Anonymous. And uh, I see good things happening for you, man. I do. And yeah. I, I, I haven't seen anybody in all these years and, and – nobody not not a person come into aa get sober stay sober and their life gets worse i've seen them have stuff happen i've seen the loss of family the loss of job the loss of a loved one all of those things you know i've seen people lose their house and car in sobriety okay but i've never seen life get worse and that sounds like a complete oxymoron what i just said but it's not it is i've never seen them get worse their life is good so good things coming glad you came by matt appreciate you coming by yes sir i'm glad y'all forced me to be here have my buddy on here yeah matt will cut you the check before you leave (laughs) it's all right zero dollars for the grouch and the brainstorm this is mike signing out 